It's Paul Smolin, M.D., your Peedcast host, bringing you informative and entertaining knowledge on a wide range of parenting and child health topics. You have parenting questions, he has answers. And here is your Peedcast host, Dr. Paul Smolin. Welcome. Dr. Paul Smolin here, also known as Doc Smo. I'm broadcasting from Studio 1E in Charlotte, North Carolina. That's First Child's Bedroom, east side of the house. Thanks for joining me. I developed PEDCAST to help parents navigate a myriad of parenting topics ranging from infancy to graduation, from the crib to the country club, from the delivery room to the boardroom. In these PEDCASTs, I express general observations and opinions that I have developed over a generation of pediatric practice and parenting. I am not providing medical judgments or advice. And by listening to my PCAS, you're agreeing to the terms and conditions listed on my website, docsmo.com. Let's talk kids with today's topic. Thank you for joining me again. This is Dr. Paul Smolin, your PEDCAST host. Today's episode is going to be hot. I mean, really hot. And it's not about a health topic. It's about a parenting topic. Now, parents frequently wonder, can I spoil my child? And they particularly ponder this question when they're first coming home from the hospital with their newborn. You know, Newborns require lots and lots of attention, and that's a natural thing to wonder. So in today's PEDCAST, we're going to ponder the question, can a child be spoiled? And we're going to look at some of the evidence, both old and new, to help answer that question. So let's take a little detour, not down science lane, but down opinion lane, and check out the question, can you spoil a child? Let's start out this discussion by defining spoiling. As I see it, spoiling involves either allowing a child to become too dependent on others, particularly their parents, or overindulging a child's wants. Now let me repeat that because this is important for our discussion. Spoiling, in my mind, involves either allowing a child to become too dependent on others or overindulging their wants. With that definition in mind, let's look at today's question in light of the psychological development of children. Now, I'm not a psychologist, but I have raised two children and spent my entire adult life with children, which I feel raises my opinion to at least an informed observer if not that of a bona fide expert. And here's the way I see child development. A child is born totally dependent. All they can do is suck and cry. They can't meet their own needs. That's for mom to do. Now, if their needs get met successfully, the child learns to trust their primary caretaker, their mother, And they form a strong attachment with his or her mother. What psychologists call a secure attachment. 
Once the child is trusting and secure, that allows them to begin to explore their world and learn with confidence. And that's mainly what the first few years are all about. Learning by moving, by tasting, by smelling, by acquiring language, and by problem solving. As a child's skills grow, they inevitably are going to start to bump up against limits. Remember, they've never had any limits before. And with those limits, I can't go here, I can't touch this, I can't put that in my mouth, they inevitably become frustrated and angry. And at some point, they may even become defiant. Sounds like a terrible two-year-old, doesn't it? Hopefully, with consistent limit setting by parents and a lot of patience by their parents, child will eventually become comfortable with rules and develop their own sense of uniqueness, what Freud and others called ego formation. After a child's ego is formed, they have developed all sorts of incredible skills like language abilities and ability to deal with frustration. We have our own little unique human now. They have their own personalities. They have a strong sense of themselves. That's childhood development in a nutshell. Step one, the totally dependent baby who has their needs met successfully by a close relationship with their mother and they learn to trust their mother and they make a strong attachment to their mother. Step two, baby starts to explore their world and they start to get new skills. They get mobility and language, etc. and uh, learn the things that we need to learn to understand our environment. Step three, we start to bump up against limits. There are consequences to things. And babies need to learn to deal with frustration, accept limits, and conform to the rules that are set around them. And step four, once the who's in control question is all satisfied, children gradually learn skills, reasoning abilities, and all the myriad of things that they learn to finally become an independent adult. Historians say that we can learn a lot by looking backwards in time. And I think this is particularly true when it comes to child development. Let's look back to the 19th century when moms had babies at home. And unfortunately, a lot of times moms died during childhood or shortly after childbirth. That left a lot of orphaned children. And orphanages were a common thing in the 1800s in this part of the world. These were places where young children got good care, but they didn't get that close, attentive care that only mothers can provide. These babies' basic needs were met, but they didn't get that really responsive adult to when the baby was hungry, they were immediately fed. If the baby cried, they were picked up. They didn't get holding when they often needed it. And they didn't get that nurturing kind of motherly behavior that, frankly, makes us attached to our mothers. The result was a large group of children graduating from orphanages who psychologists noticed had difficulties 
with interpersonal relationships. These children frequently had psychological problems, either becoming socially isolated or depressed or a myriad of other psychological problems. And that probably all stemmed from their early lack of attachment to their mothering figure. In short, they had difficulty with trust. Remember step one, trust? Well, this was such a common occurrence in the 1800s that uh, people coined the term hospitalism. You were raised in a hospital, particularly in those first few months of life, it had lasting effects that they called hospitalism. Today, we call that reactive attachment disorder. And they even noticed that the most vulnerable time for a child to undergo some kind of psychological trauma was the first three months of life. Remember, that's when trust and attachment occurs. It all makes sense now. Let's get back to our initial question we posed in the intro, and that is, can a child be spoiled? Well, here's the opinion lane stuff. Here's my opinion and the opinion of many psychologists, and that is, during the first three months of life, infants are totally dependent for all their needs. This is when their needs should be met without hesitation. If they need to be held, hold them. If they need to be rocked, rock them. If they need frequent feedings, feed them. And if they need to be swaddled, do it without hesitation. It's not spoiling to quickly and consistently respond to a young infant's needs. Remember our definition of spoiling, the creation of unnecessary dependence. So with very young infants, you can't create unnecessary dependence because they're unable to do anything for themselves. Life is nothing but total dependence. But as your child ages and grows, parents need to make age-appropriate expectations of their children, such as most six-month-olds can be independent at night, all night. Well, let them learn how. Most one-year-olds learn to drink from a cup. Help them learn. Get rid of the bottle. Most two-year-olds can use words to express themselves and help with dressing and feeding. Teach them how. Most three-year-olds can follow many rules of the house and be successful at using the potty. Help them master these skills. And on and on it goes. Long-time listeners will recognize that theme in many, many other Doxmo episodes. Well, let's sum up today's discussion with a Doxmo pearl. It's my opinion that a child is spoiled if they are allowed to become overly dependent on their parents or if they are allowed to have excessive needs and or wants. And I believe that older infants and children can become spoiled if their parents don't make age-appropriate expectations of them or if they overindulge their child's wants. Just look around and you can see the results of spoiling everywhere in our culture. We have lots of four-year-olds in diapers. We 
uh, have teens that have TVs in their room and watch hours of TV and video games. The average teen drinks two or more sugary drinks a day. And of course, the big, big, big statistic in some surveys that up to 50% of 19-year-olds are still living with their parents. So, that all being said, let's look at the other end of life, those little babies. I do not believe that infants under three months of age can be overattended to or spoiled. I don't believe there's such a thing as an overly indulged infant under three months of age because that's the time that they develop basic trust and it's the foundation for their psychological health for the rest of their life. Those are critical, critical months. So here's the answer to the big question of the day. Can a child be spoiled? And the answer is, it really depends on their age. Ponder that. Thanks again for joining me. To learn more on today's topic, check out the references in my SMO notes. Feel free to subscribe on iTunes or follow the feed on Facebook and Twitter. Get the latest content while it's fresh and hot. If you like what you hear, check out other DocSmo episodes. And don't forget to tell your friends to listen. There's a lot of good stuff going on on DocSmo.com. This is episode number 40. Can you believe that? This is your PCAST host, Dr. Paul Smolin, broadcasting from the famous Studio 1E in the beautiful Queen City, Charlotte, North Carolina, reminding you and your children that trust is a must and a strong ego is something you don't want to see go. Until next time. I want to thank the following people for their contributions to this podcast. Seth Jaffe for his creative editing. Sarah Smolin for her digital editing and photography. And Ben Smolin, Jerome Move, and Robert Beezer for providing this wonderful music you are hearing. Thanks, guys.